When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, we really should take up that option to buy on your contract, shouldn't we? Because you've been on loan from Liverpool University for quite some time now and I think you've made yourself an invaluable member of the first team. We need to get this official. Well, apparently producer guy can't agree a fee ah. um, that, uh, that he's prepared to pay for my services to Liverpool University um, or or perhaps that they that they, they love me too much there to, to let me finally go. I'm not sure. Well, they we all love you too much to let you finally go, Kieran, but I, I thought for a time yesterday I was going to have to let you go because just for two hours there was nothing from you while you flirted with Swiss Ramble on Twitter. It was, it was rather disconcerting. I was, I was about to get in touch with Swiss Ramble to find out if he had a sidekick I could talk to for a couple of hours while you two chatted to each other at, at high level. That none of us, it was like dog whistles. None of us could truly understand what it was you were talking about, but it, it seemed interesting, Kieran. Well, he, he was just uh, letting me know who the governor is, as always. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing more than uh, his George Carter, or my George Carter, to his Jack Regan in the Sweeney, which will mean nothing at all to anybody that uh, that was born after 1978. Well, you can look it up, Kieran. We're not going at the pace of the slowest. This, you know, the the Battle of Britain was a long time ago. I know all about that. The Battle of Waterloo. I know all about that. Peasants' Revolt. You know, just look these things up. Kieran, it's Newsday. Um, we do have some exciting wrong and based news for you coming up. But we also have a little bit of bad news to start with, especially for Charlton fans. We were hoping to talk to Charlton Athletic owner Thomas Sandgard today, but we've had some technical issues. I promise you that interview is coming up. Uh, so if you have uh, questions for him, you can still send them in to us, questions at priceoffootball.com. I have to say, Kieran, that some of the questions we've had already were a little bit too South London to ask him. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't. I don't think anyone at Charlton wants anyone to have a little accident at this stage of the thing. It's all it's all done and dusted now. We're all friends, aren't we? Yeah, but I've, I've not seen the phrase "concrete overboots" for a long, long time. So it did make me quite nostalgic for oh, some did, of my yeah. uncles. Yeah, yeah, probably not heard that since his funeral. I'm guessing. Um, luckily, we do have plenty of news to get us through uh, this pod, which is, I believe, our second pod of uh, 2021, and our first in Tier 5, which is depressing. Uh, and also depressing, unfortunately, is our first story. Uh, it's a gloomy one for a club that we've been keeping an eye on because the Wigan takeover, as you semi-predicted for quite some time now, has fallen through. 
Yes, this this is sad news. Uh, something came out on the Wigan website posted by the administrators. So that was that's costing someone four hundred quid an hour for the privilege yeah. um, to say that the, the the Spanish bidders to whom they've given exclusivity. Uh, they effectively said, yeah, we're not going to talk to anybody else. These are the guys we want to develop the deal with. Um, apparently, they the, the Spanish guys reduced the asking, the, the price they were prepared to pay by half over Christmas. And the pro- trouble with this is, is if that was the case, uh, after paying for the, the lawyers and the administrators' fees, um, there wouldn't have been enough money to give the remaining creditors 25 pence in the pound. And if you fail to do that under EFL rules, you'd be subject to another 15 point penalty. Now, Wigan are at the wrong end of League One, partly due to the fact that the administrators have sold all the decent players so that that things weren't looking good for them. But this would have almost certainly uh, ensured relegation. So So the Spanish bidders then turned around and say, well, can't we just get the EFL to waive the 15-point penalty, mm. which seems a rather strange approach to it all because ultimately it's, it's, it's the administrator's problem. It's not, it's not the EFL's pro- problem. So that's, that's not been good. There's, there's, been some, uh, there's been stuff appearing in the Wigan press. The, uh, the administrators are, are going, go, going in with a you know, proper two-footed tackles now on the Spanish bidders, uh, not very impressed by them. Um, and apparently there's now lots of people saying, oh, well, we're interested, but, uh, you know, the administration saw, well, why weren't you interested a few months ago? Mm. Um, but uh, uh, Matt, Matt Slater, who's one of the, 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 the sort of the good guys, one of the good, uh, one, one of the good journalists who we often quote, mm. he put out something on social media yesterday that uh, a guy called Martin Halsell, who, who's based in the Northwest, he, he's got a, 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 a motorbike racing team. He's uh, is a successful businessman, and you know, in, in we've always talked about transparency. I, I've met Martin in the past, uh, you know, and he, he certainly he's been keen on buying a football club for some time. Uh, he is now uh, considering a bid for the club. Uh, I, I think the administrators are still looking for this sort of three to four million pound. Uh, sum of money, so it's it's not over. Uh, you know, there there are certainly are people interested. They're, they're getting an awful lot for their money, but uh, if, if you're a Wigan fan, it's uh, yeah, it, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth at the start of the year. Yeah, now I have heard of Martin House as well, Kieran, but only because his name has cropped up on this pod from time to time in relation to other clubs that have been in trouble. So. It, it, is it a good thing or a bad thing for Wigan fans that this chap seems to be sniffing around a lot of other clubs that are looking to be sold cut price? I, I think I think Martin Martin, you know, from, from my meeting I had with him, seemed very genuine. He's 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 a football fan rather than a businessman who wants to invest right. in a football club as a way of making some money. You know, and the first thing I, I said to him was that if you want to make money. Don't invest in a football club. You know, Simon Jordan and you know, other owners have, have said and experienced that. So I don't think he's naive. He, he won't be making a huge amount of money from you know a, a motorbike racing team either in, in all probability. So I, I don't think he's naive. Uh, you know, my understanding, he's been looking for the right club and, and Wigan now come within sort of the budget that uh, he was potentially looking to, to, to pay out. So ne- never say never, but it's uh, you know, the longer this takes, mm. the more it's costing in terms of administrative fees, the greater the degree of uncertainty. Um, you know, we have started the January 
transfer window and any new owner who wants to come into Wigan Athletic to to try to turn things round with, with uh, you know, clearly the ambition is to avoid relegation to League Two. Uh, you know that window of opportunity is is closing by the day. Uh, you know when, when a deal is not being concluded. Yeah, the news of the Wigan takeover falling through, Kieran, came as sad, but not surprising for me, because you've said right from the start, uh, not always in public because you wanted to keep an optimistic uh, face on this, but you you sensed right from the start there was something not quite right about this, didn't you? Why was that? Um, in terms of the, the potential Spanish owners... Um, looking at their background, their their aim was uh, to turn the club round and sell it on at a profit. Now, you, to do that when the the whole world is in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. and we've got no idea as to when we're coming out out of it, you know, under those circumstances, it, it's very risky investing in any business. Um, clearly, the the second wave, the third wave that we've seen. Um, have made things deteriorate in terms of the the, the speed at which fans can return um, and therefore the potential price that these people would be able to get for the club. I, I've never felt comfortable, however, with, with any owners whose ambition is to flip a club you know it, it's not homes under the hammer you know it's not one of those type of things to me uh, we've, we've we've both said and we both believe passionately that a football club is a community asset and, and should be treated like that. And, and people who are just using it as a vehicle to make a quick buck make me feel slightly uneasy. Yeah, the administrators made the Spanish bidders the preferred bidders quite early on, which I presume deters other people at least for a moment. Will, will this reflect badly on the administrator's reputation? Will it affect their standing in football, the fact that they seem to put their – I know legally they, they – they have to put their eggs in one basket to an extent, but it, it did seem that the administrators had every confidence in this bid, which now increasingly looks like it was never that serious in the first place. Um, well, we, the administrators have said that the, the Spanish bidders had, had showed them evidence that they'd had the money. Um, sometimes you will pay um, an exclusivity fee. You know, that's quite good from a cash flow point of view in, in terms of being able to pay the wages and the other creditors. So, uh Unfortunately, in the world of of, of business and, and turnarounds and things of this nature, you do kiss a lot of frogs. Yeah, and certainly that was that was my experience. And, and you can be you can be sitting across a table from somebody that's promising you uh, good things left, right, and centre, and, and and then they don't deliver. Um, and the, and the tragedy for Wigan is that it's not the first time that this has happened over the course of the last twelve months. Because clearly, the reason why we're in this mess is due to our young. Uh, saying he was going to buy the clubs from IEC um, and he was going to underwrite the the day-to-day losses and and then he just turned the taps off. And and I think that's still, for me, the biggest mystery. Well, we'll keep an eye on that Wigan story. And, of course, uh, well, we'll possibly try and talk to some of our friends at the Wigan Supporters Trust as well. Um, In the meantime, big Sam Allardyce. And it's the law. You have to always say big Sam Allardyce. Uh, when you refer to Sam Allardyce, who's managed a lot of our clubs. He's blaming Brexit for West Brom being unable to recruit players at this transfer window, which, Kieran, is ironic because... Well, because Big Sam Allardyce has uh, has been quite vocal in terms of his support for for Brexit, which, you know, he's he's perfectly entitled to do. We live in a democracy after all. 
yeah, there's there's other other managers who have also said similar things. Neil Warnock uh, is is a big Brexit supporter. But what what seems to me to be strange because we we have covered this story in depth in terms of from the first of January 2021 the existing rules in terms of freedom of movement are being replaced with a points-based system. Um, and, and we've said that uh, this would benefit the bigger clubs yeah. to a greater extent because they're able to recruit the players who are more likely to have international caps, who are more likely to be, have bigger wages, who are more likely to be paying in the bigger league. So, so you know, the, the matter has, has been, as far as I'm concerned, has been, has been discussed on, at various levels. Sam Allardyce took over uh, at uh, West Bromwich Albion Football Club on the 16th of December. Uh, Two weeks later, he's saying COVID's a bit of a problem. Now, I I think COVID was around before the 16th. (laughs) And and then he now comes out and says, well, we had three players lined up and uh, we can't recruit them due to Brexit. But Mm. these Brexit rules have been in the public domain for, for a number of months. So... Yeah, unless he's been living in his shed uh, for the last three or four years, I, I just find it a bit bizarre. And, and I think you, you said um, on on the Sunday show, on the Monday show, that you felt that his his use of of COVID um, was simply a diversionary tactic. Mm. West Brom had just taken a bit of a shoeing at home, and surprise, surprise, after another defeat, Sam comes up with another excuse. Um, but you know. The, the Brexit rules apply to all clubs. So West Bromwich Albion are are no better or worse off in terms of their ability to recruit in the market than than the clubs around them. You know, and, and then and they're not competing with the likes of Liverpool and Manchester United and Chelsea anyway. So to to try to use Brexit as as a smokescreen for uh, West Brom's mediocre result. Mm. Um, one point from four games, uh, does seem like he's trying to get his excuses in early. Yes, I imagine Sam Allardyce has got a shed, uh, a large shed, I would guess, with probably an elaborate train set in it. And I, I'm guessing that his wife is probably not allowed or encouraged to enter, but let's not get distracted by Big Sam's shed because that's what he's been doing to us with COVID and Brexit. What I find odd, Kieran, is, is Charlton, for example, is just one club who have signed... Uh, a player this week from FC Micheland in Denmark, and they are fully expecting his papers to be endorsed. He's, he's got to go through this Brexit process, as we know, but they've they've already announced that they're confident that that will be done in time for him to play this weekend. So it, we're not even getting the impression from other clubs that the, the new red tape around Brexit is actually causing delays for them. So what it should do for West Brom is a bit of a mystery, really. Because I can't imagine that Charlton are signing more high-profile players than West Brom would be. No, I, I agree with you entirely, and uh, it, it it does show that if you are organised, and, and this could be that uh, Charlton have got some you know, a lot of the paperwork in place before the thirty first of December, then then there's nothing to actually have stopped the club. It really is a case of uh, you know ha- having a good team in terms of a recruitment and b knowing the system uh, you know, and unfortunately uh, brexit has has put in an extra layer of administration which is frustrating but uh, you know it, frustrating isn't the same as impossible yeah if sam Allardyce does his next press conference from that shed next to his train set which i've just made up in my head then we really will know he's distracting us neil warnock's definitely got a shed uh, he must have he's got a tractor 
he's always going on about his tractor. So he seems to get a lot of news while he's riding that tractor, Neil Warnock. Anyway, we're all tier five buddies now, Kieran. Um, I was just reflecting earlier on as I walked out to do this pod that uh, just four weeks ago, I was in a pub in Bermondsey with a friend having a substantial meal discussing business ideas. And now here we are in tier five, freezing my tits off in a shed of my own talking to you <laughs> life's not always fair is it um mine's not a shed mine's a workroom officially as alice calls it is oh, that, that's that's for tax reasons kevin i think you'll find oh is it oh really is that another loophole i've missed <laughs> okay. well i wonder if maybe we should get some heating in here for tax reasons as well then. um uh, talking of tier five which is unfortunate news and uh, especially as i was being very optimistic only last week about fans being allowed back soon after the vaccine. But Rochdale Chief Executive David Bottomley says it's now, and I quote, inevitable that the EFL will have to temporarily suspend fixtures because of rising coronavirus cases. And I pause here to give a note to Keir Starmer, which is that yelling it's out of control is not quite the level of opposition we hoped for. Uh, <laughs> I had to talk my dad off the ceiling when Keir Starmer said that. Um, it's it's it seems like I mean certainly at lower league levels, games are barely going ahead. They're trying to get them on, but they they can't. It seems that David Bottomley is probably right that it's inevitable that the EFL will have to temporarily suspend fixtures. But having said that, there doesn't seem any appetite, certainly in the higher levels of football, to stop football going on. They seem fairly convinced that the coronavirus protocols are doing their job. Yes. Uh, the, the issue here is that if the EFL unilaterally decides to have some form of circuit breaker, whatever you want to call it, then um, its broadcast partner, who is Sky, is going to turn around and says, well, you didn't legally have to do that. Yeah. So therefore, you're now in breach of contract. Yeah. And uh, we want some money back. And yeah, we're fully aware that EFL clubs, especially those in Leagues 1 and 2, uh, I've had a pretty tough time of it. The the rescue package or the, the the financial package that has been given to them by the Premier League is of some assistance, but it's it's not going to guarantee that everybody's going to get out of this by the end of the season. So this is a classic case of of money overruling health, and, and I can I can fully understand uh, Rochdale CEO Rochdale Chief uh, David Bottomley's comments. Yeah, he says, you know, I've got an eighty five year old mama. She, she she's She's had COVID. She's or she's currently got COVID. Um, surely health has to take precedence over football. And and if we're honest, you know, we, we both, you know, you and I have both watched every match our sides have played this season. Mm. I've struggled to get as excited as I should do. Yeah, you know, it's it's not it's not what I sign up for. It's not what you sign up for. You know, the whole point about a, a football match it's it's a great day out. It's seeing friends. And the football is just the hook through which everything else hangs. Uh, yeah, the football itself often is, is miserable. Yeah. Um, so now we've got the misery without the the bits that we really enjoy, which is <laughs> yeah. friends reminiscing, yeah. taking the piss out of each other, and all and all the stuff which is sort of the, the community element of attending football matches with your friends. So I, I can understand uh, David Bottomley's issue. If you take a look at League One, um, we've got a fairly ludicrous position in that some clubs have played 16 games yeah. and other clubs have played 22. Yeah. So so it, you, know, you look at the table and, and trying to get a, a good feel for the table is, is nigh on impossible. Although 
if you are Burton Albion and you played 22 games and you're bottom of the table, that's that's not great. Mm. Um, so his his view is that health should take priority. The the problem is is that if you do have a circuit breaker, when should that end? Because if if uh, infection rates don't fall and they say, well, we're going to have a break for a fortnight, how can you justify going back in two weeks' time when uh, you know, the number of people being admitted to hospital and the number of infections is is at, uh, at the current or, or higher level? So then you have to push things back a bit further. And, and, and then all of a sudden, clubs end up playing three times a week. And what is already yeah, a terrible mess uh, this season, it's not going to be remembered for any good reasons whatsoever, becomes even messier. Yeah, I'm going to take issue with you when you say that having watched every game, there's very little excitement because I got very excited about Eberich Yeze's goal against Sheffield United. Very excited. Uh, first time I saw it live. And then when you watched it again, and it was, <laughs> you realised how bad the defending was. It was <laughs> I mean, it's a brilliant finish, but it was a it little was, bit- it was. It was, a, it was a little bit like, I shouldn't have said this out loud in the Palace podcast, but it was a little bit like the sort of goal a, a, a teacher scores against primary school kids, essentially, wasn't it? Uh, it you mentioned the Sweeney. Well, let's go even further back and mention Kez, that brilliant film. And this, oh, yeah. the school teacher, the schoolmaster in that, who thinks he's Bobby Charlton. Um, oh, God, we do sound, we really do sound like old men rambling. Brian Glover, that was, wasn't it? It was Brian Glover, yeah. The fantastic actor, Brian yes. Glover. Yes. Yeah, one of the greatest films of all time, that. Yeah, I've just had a little glimpse of 20 years' time when we're sitting in a home somewhere in Sussex, <laughs> waiting for a visit from Ali and the Baroness, as they can tell us about their new partners. <laughs> um, Philip Coutinho's recent knee injury is bad news for Barcelona on the pitch, uh, but it could save them a lot of money off it, Kieran, could it not? Yes, Uh Philip Coutinho went from Liverpool to Barcelona, as we know, about, about three or four years ago. Um, it, it's not been an overwhelming success. Uh, I, you know, For those people that are often screaming at their clubs, spend more money. Yeah. Well, you know, Bar- Barcelona's recent spendings on the likes of Griezmann, Coutinho, Dembele and so on has been, you know, the, I think, the thick end of 400 million euros. And they've not really had much of a return on that. Um, but he has just had uh, an injury to his knee, his meniscus. Um, and, and as I'm sitting here four years after running the Dab- Dublin Marathon, when I did my meniscus in, I, 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 for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea. It was my mum's 80th birthday that weekend, and she was going to be in Dublin. So, you know, my family's in Ireland, so she was going you know, to a party at my sister's house. So I thought, well, I'll have my mum's birthday party and I'll run the Dublin Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um I injured myself there and I've not been able to run since. So I'm hoping for Philip Coutinho's sake that uh, the uh, the doctors at Barcelona are slightly better than the ones that treated me. But he's he's played for Barcelona 90 times and on his 100th appearance, um, Liverpool were due to receive an extra 20 million because uh-huh. the nature of the deal was such that uh, there were a series of add-ons. Um so he had managed to force his way back into the affections of the manager. He was playing a bit better. Things seemed to be on the up. But uh, yeah, Liverpool, I think, will be uh, the biggest losers here because uh, yeah, my understanding is, is that Barcelona have been trying to pass him on to another club for some time. Um, but he was the, the least bad of a bunch and therefore he was getting into the first team. But this, this is actually quite a common issue in football is that when transfer deals are, are, are take place and they do involve sell-ons, if that player 
fails to really hit the heights that the buying club had anticipated, all of a sudden you've got the the finance director or the chairman knocking on the door mm. of the the manager saying, well, you know, if such and such plays another two games, we've got to give an extra half million quid or a million quid. Would you like to consider whether that's in his best interests and your best interests? And the managers, and we all know that managers' jobs are fairly precarious, has to take that into into consideration. I think there's the, there's the famous case of uh, Seth Johnson, who moved from Derby to Leeds, probably about was about 13, 14 yeah. years ago. Um, and that was under the uh, the champagne lifestyle uh, when, you know, when Leeds were operating under uh, Peter Ridstone. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that transfer didn't work out. You know, Seth Johnson again, good player, but it just you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out when when a player moves from X to Y. Um, I, th- I think he was due to play another couple of matches, and Leeds would have had to pay more money to Derby. And by that stage, um, I believe there was a a new owner of Leeds United. Um, Probably for legal reasons, I won't mention his name, but he's white and he's got a beard, uh, a, a white beard. Santa Claus? Well, it's, some people like to see him. He likes to see himself as that. Okay. Uh, and by all accounts, he said, uh, I, I, I definitely don't think that Seth Johnson should play another game because I don't want to give any more money to Derby. Um, so, uh, you know, th- there are things of this nature. And it, I, I think it's a tragedy when money determines football decisions yeah that 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 because the fans often don't know what's going on behind closed doors and they'll be saying well why is such and such playing or why is such and such not playing um and, and it could be for reasons which are non-footballing this episode of the price of football is brought to you by the ai powered workspace notion what if you had access to tomorrow's tools today in notion You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone. Whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football, and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Yeah, let, let's not pull at that thread, Kieran, because of course it's terrible that money dictates decisions in football. But you know, we've got a podcast to do. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the moment, <laughs> well, it's the only thing that's earning me money. Let's 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 keep let's keep going on that note. Um, also, I don't know if you heard me sigh during that, Kieran. It's, I scanned every single inch of this script, 
and I couldn't find anywhere. I couldn't see any chink of light anywhere in which Derby could enter into this pod. I couldn't. I just couldn't see a way in for them. But like the best cat burglars in a Sherlock Holmes story, somehow Derby managed to get in. Somehow, like <laughs> Seth Johnston, a name I've not heard in ten years. Suddenly, as soon as you said it, oh my god, I know what club it came from. I just. I also love the fact I know many people who have injured themselves at birthday parties in Dublin, Kieran. Only you would injure yourself before the birthday party. <laughs> Only you would turn up hurt at an Irish birthday party in Dublin. Now, for a few weeks at the end of last year, Kieran, we, we did, I think, speak of little else but the, the National League. We had quite a lot of um, discussion, some controversy. We spoke to various club owners and chairmen at that level. Um, and now the Culture Secretary has been urged to launch an investigation into alleged conflicts of interest over the way millions of pounds of lottery money was distributed to National League clubs at that time. Who is doing the urging? Well, the urging is coming from uh, Dulwich Supporters Trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dulwich, are one of the, Dulwich Hamlets are one of the clubs that have uh, lost out. I believe that Hereford... Uh, they are all, they are also unhappy, um, and the the distribution method that was used uh, originally when when the money was given out by when the grants were given out by the National Lottery Fund, um, it was it was deemed to be to replace a loss of revenue for clubs in the National League, uh, and that seemed fairly logical. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that the money was distributed was was a was a fixed formula. Um, whereby clubs in the National League got more than the National League North and South. It didn't seem to take into consideration the size of the fan base. It didn't take into consideration match day receipts. Uh, and therefore, some clubs uh, seem to do relatively well and others not so well. So th- there's been a lot of criticism of people at the top of the National League. And... Um, to their credit, they said, OK, we'll have an independent investigation. Uh, and they therefore got David Bernstein, who's the former FA chair, mm. to undertake this. Um, and the investigation took place. It was sent in to the uh, the National League and they decided not to publish it. Oh, OK. Uh, and by all accounts, there were elements of criticism. Yeah, we, we've not seen it either. So, uh, you know, despite my, my best efforts to... Uh, some of our snitches, uh, who we are friendly with, we, we've not managed to see it either. So uh, the you know the clubs who feel that they have been wronged as a result of this distribution model, um, they have uh, yeah, they, they've complained again. Uh, you know, the, the, the one of the guys from Dulwich Supporters Trust has written to Oliver Dowden um, to say that I believe there's another eleven million pounds, which is potentially due for distribution from the National Lottery Fund, which is due to kick in at the start of February. So they've urged Oliver Dowden to say, unless this issue is resolved to the satisfaction of all, um, then he, he should be very cautious before giving the, the National League the right to, to send out that money. So um, I think the, the one of the accusations that has been made is that if you take a look at the board members of the National League, we've got Aldershot, Dagenham and Redbridge, Solihull Moors, Barnet and Dover Athletic. Well, the accusation is that those clubs have benefited proportionally more than other clubs because they don't necessarily have um, big big crowd bases and they wouldn't have received so much money had the money been distributed 
strictly in, in line with match day receipts. So it, it is a tricky one. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the EFL has has been distributing money uh, between the clubs in Leagues 1 and 2, but my understanding is that that broadly is in line with gate receipts and clubs have accepted it on that basis. So they've got a, they've got a fixed fee and then a top up, which is linked to the gate receipts. So um, I suspect this is going to run and run. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, a big hitter like David Bernstein has been involved, um, you know, he, he will not pull punches as well. You know, he has, he has said things in the times which, aren't overly flattering with regards to the way that the National League has conducted themselves. So um, uh, this story is, is like many others, sadly, uh, it is not dead yet. Yes, and unfortunately, you used the phrase resolved to the satisfaction of all, and I think it's going to take a long time before all are satisfied by any resolution to this. So, of course, it's a story we will keep our eye on. Uh, just an old-fashioned accounting story for you, Kieran. You love it when a football club releases its figures. You, you, you. I'm trying to do a Kevin Keegan impression, but I realised halfway through I'm not able to do it. But Manchester United Women's Football Club released its latest numbers this week. Um, yes, I mean, th- those came out um, at six o'clock this morning. So I, 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 I was there at six o'clock, like, like, uh, like Oliver, uh, asking for more. And uh, I think what it showed was just how tough it is um, in, in the WSL. I mean, Manchester United's women's team, I think this season is, is their third full season. They've done extremely well to get promoted in the in their first season in WSL two. They they did well last season, and and now that they are top of the WSL, um, revenues up despite COVID, and, and the reason for that is that um, almost ninety percent of Manchester United's revenue uh, comes from commercial sponsors. So although COVID hit the WSL. Um, and match, matches were actually abandoned. In effect, there wasn't a huge impact in terms of loss of match day revenue. Manchester United's total match day revenue uh, for the whole season. You know, we appreciate that not all the matches were played as a result of COVID. Was one hundred and ninety six thousand pounds, and that's that's a record, by the way, in, in women's football in the in England. Um, you know, one hundred and ninety six grand for a season. If you compare that to Manchester United's men's team or Spurs men's team, they're getting between four and four and a half million a match. So there, there is a big gap to fill. But, you know, it's it, it's forward steps. The money is going up. Um, all, I, I've, I've now summarised all of the, uh, the, the the WSL team's finances and, and every single one of them is losing money. And certainly when I've spoken to people in women's football, they say one of their fears um, is that you know, the the men's club or that somebody at the senior club will uh, will turn the taps off. Now, I don't think that will be the case because if you've got any sense, you, you'll see women's football as a potential long-term growth. But in, in the short term, it has to be a fear. Okay, now this last story, Kieran, is... Part news story, part plug. Uh, three of the biggest names in football are teaming up for an online event to raise money for the fight against dementia in sport and for Alzheimer's research. Yes. So so this is, um, you know, we've got Sir Alex, we've got Kenny Dalgleish and Gareth Southgate. And um, you know, we, we've spoken about this issue uh, in terms of 
the the high proportion of of ex professional footballers who have developed dementia. Uh, we know that Sir Bobby Charlton has sadly recently contracted it. Um, th- there's been the issues in terms of Jeff Astle um, and so on. Uh, I think Chris Sutton has spoken about his father, uh, and you know, it, it's it's a horrible, horrible condition. So um, you know, what these people are doing is that they, they are simply getting together and there's going to be um, an online event. And, and the aim is simply to, to add to that pool of money which can be used by the research scientists to try to make progress in, in the fight against dementia. Um, anybody who's had a loved one, you know, regardless of whether they're in football or not, will have seen, seen this and, and it eats people up from the inside because all, all, that, you, all that you have is a is a is a walking skeleton which is not the person that you love yeah and they don't recognize you and that is you know very distressing you know um, my, my the baroness's mother had it and you know i'm I, i'm a step away it's, it wasn't my mother yeah but you could see the impact it has not just on the person who is often confused but the family, the people that love them, and you know, and you know, what's life without family? Um, that that's tragic as well. So, uh, fair play to all of these people and everybody in football that that you know is now starting to to accelerate their involvement and and to highlight the nature of this condition. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons why I was particularly keen to mention it as a news story, as an antidote to those players and club officials we saw over New Year. Uh, not a uh, flouting is not the right word, but not complying with with lockdown rules. Luka Milivojevic at Palace being one of them. Uh, it, it was something that Palace fans have debated long and hard amongst themselves. It's very disappointing to see that happen. But this event is a, yet another proof, Kieran, of what we're talking about. That for the most part, football knows its responsibilities and takes them very seriously. And this is not cheap. I have to say, it's twenty five pound a ticket. But you are. I mean, you're privy to to our chat with three of the greatest, two of the greatest names in football and Gareth Southgate. Um, it's on January the 15th at 7pm. You can ask questions to them. It's moderated by Kelly Cates. Lockdowntheatre.net is what you want to do. Uh, I, I want to take part as I want to be one of the childish people when everyone else is asking really serious questions. I want to ask Gareth Southgate what his favourite wacky races team was. As, as a, a David, there was a there was a brilliant event in Edinburgh a few years ago uh, where Matt Groening, the genius creator of The Simpsons, uh, came along to do a chat. Oh wow! And, and, and seriously, there were there were ticket touts for this chat because every every comedian wanted to go and see it. And uh, David Johns, who's an actor who was in that Ken Loach film, I. I always want to say I, Daniel Craig. It's not I, Daniel Craig, is it? But, um, <laughs> but David Johns was the star of that. And, and he brilliant that after about 10 really serious questions about animation and about his career, <laughs> David, <laughs> David Johns just said, what, what's your favourite colour, red? Which just, uh, it, it turns out Matt Groening hasn't got as much of a sense of humour as you think he might do. Oh, really? Um, yes, but it was, I mean, it's very interesting, but obviously <laughs> it's just the sight of all the comedians sniggering like nine-year-olds at a childish question. So, yes, it's lockdowntheatre.net. It promises to be a really interesting evening because they are three very interesting characters. Um, and talking of online events, Kieran, we will shortly be announcing the date for another Price of Football quiz, but... This one will be combined with the announcement, our long-awaited announcement of the top ten wrongans. Um, uh, yes, well, the, we we are put. We have been in discussions with our lawyers, um, and uh, as it's an opinion piece, uh, yeah, we, we are entitled to say who, who uh, you know. Let's face it, yeah, the British public are often 
often have polls, and, and this is a poll consisting of me and you yeah. uh, deciding who, who we think are on a wrongens list, uh, and and that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, you know, as long as we don't say anything which is uh, which is untrue, which we won't. Everything's well researched, oh, yeah, as we absolutely. know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, yeah. As, as a result of. Uh, uh, tier five, lockdown three, whatever it is, we 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 know that the last the last event seemed to cheer a few people up. So yeah, we, we we're just confirming with with producer guy, um, uh, and yes, we'll, we'll have another quiz and uh, we'll, we'll work out our our, our friends in the uh, in the wrongens list. One of whom could be Steve Dale of Berry. <laughs> well, could be. I don't think there's any. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody's going to lose lose money by gambling on Steve Dale and Berry being in there, unless unless a lot of wrongins come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, but there are there are things happening oh. in, in relation to Berry, okay. um, and, and this involves uh, a guy called David Hilton, who is presently involved at Ilkeston Town FC. Um, and he's a property developer, so alarm bells start ringing. Um, and he apparently has said that he's he's had some discussions with Steve Dale uh, with with a view to, to buying Berry. Now, to me, that sounded a bit strange because I'm not sure Steve Dale's in a position to sell Berry Football Club because the club's in administration. But but um it, it does appear that he's this this guy is is certainly interested i did a little bit of uh ferreting around uh, as you know enjoy a bit of ferreting and um miss mr hilton there's i think it's fair to say that there's there's not a huge amount of success uh in his previous activities he's got uh he was in, involved with four companies who were previously dissolved without ever filing accounts and he's got one company which has filed accounts, and that's lost money. Um, so yeah, that 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 makes you feel not hugely confident. Um, when I went and looked at Ilkeston Town, um, one of their former directors was a guy called Alan Hardy, who we also know from being the previous owner of Notts County. Yeah. Before, remember, he had to sort of relinquish his position due to the the infamous Todger related. Uh, social media display. Indeed. Um, so, uh, I, I'm 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 a little bit uneasy. Uh, you know, th- this gentleman, and he, you know, he, he, there's he's done nothing wrong at all. Um, you know, he's he's a current or former director of ten companies, according to Companies House, and he he doesn't seem to be an awful lot to do with football. You know, construction of domestic buildings, buying and selling of real estate, buying and selling real estate, real estate agencies. His he, his main interests appear to be property based. Um, and as a football fan, I, I'm never certain that somebody who is a property developer is is necessarily looking at a football ground in in the the affectionate and nostalgic way that people like yourself and I do. Well, who knows, Kieran? It may be some late consolation for Berry fans that they get two people in the wrong and top ten. So watch this space. Listen to this space, I should say. Um, and by the way, we have genuinely spoken to lawyers. My uh, A friend of mine is a quite high-powered sports lawyer, and I ran the top ten thing past him, and his response was, I don't know, should be all right. 
So <laughs> I think that cost you 300 quid. <laughs> it cost me a lot of promises. Now, if you have any questions to ask us about anything involved in the world of football finance, whether it's your non-league club or Barcelona or a national representation, get in touch with us at questions at priceoffootball.com and you can ask me what I mean by national representation. And there you go. Uh, we are back in Tier 5, Kieran, so I think this is an appropriate time for you to revisit your very old short message. Stay safe, all, and uh, if you are enjoying the show, if you if you could uh, if you could go and click on the subscription icon for Apple or Spotify and leave us a five star review. Doesn't matter what you say; you can, you can say you'd you'd rather have the, the the show presented by by Princess Anne and Dale Winton. Uh, it, it makes absolutely no difference to us. Well, one part of that equation would be difficult, as Princess Anne is available. Dale Winton sadly isn't anymore, but. If there was a way we could communicate with him, I'm sure Dale Winton would love to do it even from beyond the grave. God love him. He was a very nice man. And so apparently is Princess Anne, a very nice person. Before I get to <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be... <laughs> Goodbye everybody. Bye. <laughs>